0: The Take What Serves, Leave the Rest podcast is sponsored by Prairie Care. You know, going through the process of getting help with your mental health can be very overwhelming. I definitely know that from firsthand experience. Prairie Care can help guide you through it and get you in touch with the help that you need. They've been offering mental health services to all ages in the Twin Cities of Minnesota since 2005. Whether you're looking for clinical services, a specialty outpatient program, or a more intensive level of care like inpatient treatment, Prairie Care has you and your family covered. Visit prairie care.com to learn more. That's prairie care.com. Hello there, my friends, and welcome here into this episode of the "Take What Serves, Leave the Rest" podcast. My name is Brian Pyatt, and wonderful to be with each and every one of you here today. Um, thanks for being patient with me. It's been um, a few weeks here since I've, I've put out an episode. Um, I've been really, really busy with grad school. Um, for for those of you who um, haven't heard me talk about it on here currently in school t- for um, mental health counseling just wrapped up my um, my most recent semester and starting my practicum next week um, actually starting my practicum the day that this episode will be released and so that's when I get to actually start working with clients and doing the work and so I um, stepping into that and um holding space for whatever each and every one of you are stepping into and maneuvering in in your own life out there um one moment at a time so on the episode today um you know when i i've had the opportunity of doing a lot of speaking and sharing my own mental health story um over the last several years and a really, really common question that I get and what I hear often is from parents who are, are doing their best to show up and help their their kids um, who are struggling with their mental health. And I am not a parent, um, so I don't pretend to know exactly what to, to know at all, really what that, what that feels like as a parent. Um, to be to be holding space in that way for a child who's who's struggling, but um, wanted to to put this episode together today to to reach out to any of you parents out there and and hopefully um, offer you a little bit of love and um, conversation around this topic and. We have, once again, um, Dr. Anastasia Ristow with Prairie Care. She is a, a licensed psychologist, also the director of psychotherapeutics um, at Prairie Care. She is a parent herself and um, had her on to, to have a conversation about parents and, and the process of showing up for your kiddos um, when it comes to their mental health. So I hope that, that this conversation serves you in some way. Um, And let's go ahead and begin this chat with Dr. Ristau. Well, welcome in. It's great to to have you back here on the podcast.
1: Thank you. Great to be here. It's a Friday. Yay.
0: Carving out some time before we step into the weekend. Um, And I think... This conversation here today, I I know for you coming at this right from kind of a couple different angles as a clinician and and also as a a parent yourself. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. I mean, a a clinician, a parent. I have two kids that are in middle school. Yeah. Um, A spouse. Yeah. I have a partner. And as a sister. I actually have a brother who is on the autism spectrum. Mm-hmm. So he's an adult. Yeah. But yep. I'm involved in his care still to this day. So lots of different angles actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah.
0: And I and I think um so much to to kind of get into with this conversation. And I you know, so many different places that we could start, but I think what feels like the best place to start is something that I know I hear talked about a lot, which is and, and I should name too, that I'm not a parent. So I know it's a lot of these things are easier said than done. So I can't pretend to know what that's like as a parent, but, but that urge to, um, to not want your kids to struggle, right. Mm-hmm. And, and to, to, to want to kind of eliminate any kind of struggle for your kids. Do you see that? Is that, is that pretty common?
1: Yeah. I mean, and, and I imagine those of you who don't have kids you probably actually can relate to this but in a different way if you think about if you have pets or um, and I know they're not the same but they are kind of the same for sure Um, or even just a loved one in general when you know somebody is uncomfortable or in pain or going through something that's really hard and you care a lot about that person and this is particularly true for parents it just can, um, activate a lot of different things within us, not only in our mind, but in our heart and our soul and our entire body to want to save, protect, avoid, um, kind of help that being to become more comfortable quickly, like fix it, get rid of it. No, I I don't want them in pain or uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, because it's sometimes uncomfortable for us in a, in a fairly similar manner. Mm Um, I, I What I see, though, clinically is there's a couple of different ways that a lot of families tend to react to that urge or that feeling. On one extreme are those who um, do a lot of great things to get their kiddos the help that they need, mm-hmm. um, but kind of view that as like an external thing. Like, I'm, I'm going to bring my kid here, they're going to fix it, and everything will be fine. Mm-hmm. So they kind of protect themselves from that as well and, and are maybe less engaged or less involved, kind of drop the kid off for the appointment or whatever. Right. And then you have, um, on the other end of things, those folks who take this on as something they have to figure out and fix. And so Mm -hmm. they're, they're maybe leaning on professionals to help them do that, or they're feeling like they should be able to do that on their own. Mm. Um, but they'll go through any length that they can to kind of get things better. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And we want to kind of aim for that middle ground.
0: Yeah. And that's kind of the question, right? It's kind of like as a parent, um, how do you kind of find that balance of wanting to help your child if they're struggling with their mental health, get them Mm -hmm. in touch with the resources that they need, be there for them, support them, Mm -hmm. and also not get too carried away trying to fix and take away in the moment?
1: Yeah. That's the
0: golden question, the, right? Yeah. And, you, and I'm sure you have the answer, right? Yeah. Just, yeah. Sure. It solves everybody's problems.
1: Yes. Here it is. The answer here. is, um, there is no answer. Totally. Yeah. I mean, there's no one right yeah. answer, Yeah. but I mean, especially in, you know, in these days, there's information overload. I mean, there's so much out there and I think for many of us, it kind of paralyzes us a little bit and totally. then it just fuels a little more of that. Like, what do I do about yeah. this? Yep. Um, where do I start? Totally.
0: Yeah, totally. So you're not going to give us the answer, the magical answer.
1: I mean, if there was one, I surely would. <laughs>
0: totally. Um, <laughs> what do you, something that was really fascinating, um, in kind of preparing for this was reading something that you had, you had put together about this topic. Um, talking about kind of the message that it sends to a child when 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 a parent is overly fixated on like oh i don't want you to feel anxious like we don't want anxiety to be part of this i want you to feel happy mm-hmm. or trying to always kind of take away the the uncomfortable emotion mm-hmm. can you talk a little bit more about what you see like how that tends to land and, and maybe how that isn't helpful for a child
1: yeah Yeah, I mean, again, speaking as a parent as well, um, as a clinician, it's it's really understandable that we want to protect our kids or that we want to take away their pain or their discomfort. But part of the difficulty or the challenge is that discomfort and pain and stress and anxiety and sadness and anger and dot, 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 all the things are necessary. They're, they're important. They're there for a reason. If we Mm -hmm. didn't have pain, we would probably not survive very long. Pain helps us to quickly change in some way to, um, you know, figure that out and become safer. Um, if we didn't have, and that's for physical pain as well as emotional pain. Um, if we didn't have worry, we would just walk across the street without looking for cars and put ourselves in some significant danger, right? So um, when we go to like this, when we get in this mindset of I have to get ahead of all of these things and I need to pave the pathway for my kid to have as much happiness as they can with as little pain and little discomfort as possible. In theory, that seems really great. And, yeah. it, and it protects us from also having that pain. So in the short run, it might feel like the the best thing to do, but in the long run, what you've done now is, is we can create, we end up creating a message to our kids that these experiences are bad, Mm -hmm. that there's something Mm -hmm. about them to be fearful of or Mm -hmm. to avoid or, you know, that we need to like at all costs keep those things away from us Um, or that if we have them, we're bad or we're a failure or whatever. Um, So it sends a message different from what the reality really is. Yeah. Um, It also gives this false sense of what life is like. Mm So, you know, part of part of the entire like goal of childhood and adolescence is to provide stomping grounds to practice, to learn, to grow, to experience all of the things good, bad, and ugly, yep. and learn and grow through those and navigate those with the support that we have available to us so that we develop what we need mm-hmm. to be able to live functionally, successfully, safely when we're no longer under the protection of parents or whatnot.
0: So less about trying to not have your child experience uncomfortable emotions, Mm -hmm. more about teaching them and giving them a space to learn how to navigate those things on their own.
1: More about those things and even beyond that, Like, let's take the pressure off ourselves a little bit, too, to not know the answers. Like, we don't always have to be teaching our kids either. Yeah. Sometimes it's really about just being with them, present in those moments. Beautiful. And allowing ourselves to feel those uncomfortable, hard, painful Mm -hmm. feelings as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, goodness, I'm a psychologist who specializes in kids. Yeah. And with my own kids, I still have many times where my husband is the one who says, eat. Mm. hold on like just be there pause you don't have to fix this you don't have to prevent this you don't have to dot 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 it's so natural to want to pull them out of that it's so much harder to be present
0: i was gonna say yeah easier said than done yeah, and I'm and I you know I'm sure there's some parents listening right now going yeah like of course that sounds really good but how do I actually you know like what 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 can help me do that in the moment when my child is experiencing debilitating amounts of anxiety or they're heartbroken yeah. and sad or you know angry or like whatever's going on mm-hmm. are there things that help you maneuver that as a parent like yeah. like to do the holding of the space. That sounds simple, but is kind of harder to actually do.
1: Yeah. I mean, sometimes I, it sounds maybe selfish, but like I'm literally telling myself to breathe Mm. and like give myself permission to just be in those moments. So I guess why it, it feels like that's selfish is that, you know, for a moment it's about me. Mm -hmm. even though it's really about my kid. And this is true as a clinician as well. There's that urge, even in that situation to want to have ideas, to give advice, to give suggestions. But sometimes the value really comes in taking a breath, giving yourself whatever phrase you might need. Mm -hmm. For me, it's often just be present. Like just give this some space, breathe for a minute. Um, And that allows me to kind of calm my own system down, you know, as a parent, when we're emotionally triggered in our own way, and that's natural, by the way, with people that we care about and that we love, you know, when we're, when our own emotions are escalated a little bit, that's contagious. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when we take a moment to breathe and calm our own systems down, that allows us to co-regulate with our kids. That allows... Yeah. us to be contagious in a different way so that will impact the situation um and allow them to calm a little bit but again the goal isn't to calm and get rid of yeah yeah the, so so the next thing that I'm usually thinking about at that point then is naming it yeah you know and there's i think the most common phrase that um many of us in the mental health field will use is you know you have to name it and then claim it in order to tame it. Tame it. Yeah. So sure. just naming it sometimes opens a lot of doors. And sometimes, many times, we're wrong yeah. Yeah. in what we think it is. Sure. So if my kid is totally melting down and I say, ooh, this is really hard. Sounds like you're pretty upset. Mm-hmm. And they say, I'm not upset. I'm sad, or whatever. Yeah, I don't know. They might not even have those words, Brian. I mean, let's be real. Right. But <laughs> in the moment, because I mean, what's well,
0: hard as an adult to know what emotion we're feeling? Yeah, <laughs> we're still trying to figure that out. Same, so let alone for a child. Yeah. Right. It's just. Yeah. Yeah. I would imagine for kids, right, it comes out much differently than. Oh yeah.
1: For adults. Oh, for sure. I mean, for kids, it often comes out first in behaviors. Yep and, and then maybe words, maybe for teenagers, it often comes out in moods Mm -hmm. and emotions. Mm -hmm. And then maybe words if, you know, I mean, if you're lucky, but in the moment when we're having those emotions, even for adults, words are kind of hijacked, you know, like that's the last thing that comes through.
0: And I, Mm -hmm. something that, that I think is so beautiful that I I was reading through again, something that you had written before this and you talked about how, how parents can actually kind of model to their children how they are maneuvering their kind of inner landscape. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. can you talk a little bit more about that?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what I think about a lot is, um, you know kids are super good observers they're yeah. they're by design they're taking it all in all the time um and a lot of times what they're seeing is the times when we're not handling things very well mm-hmm. because human nature um yeah. you know if we're handling it well let's say it's a really frustrating situation chances are a lot of that's happening internally cuz we're doing this whole mm-hmm. we're having this whole dialogue inside of our head we're maybe doing some breathing or muscle relaxation or whatever stuff that's not necessarily tangible or visible yep. so the kids don't get to learn and grow from that as much but what they might see are the times where we melt down or where we where we freak out or where we yep. yell and scream or lose our cool or whatever and then at that point they're going to make their own interpretation of that, learn and grow from that. And, you know, Mm -hmm. it can kind of create its own pathway. So, so what I like to talk with parents a lot about, and I do this truly myself to the point I'm sure of being super annoying, (laughs) (laughs) but I remember first doing this, um, you know, when you first start to do this, it feels silly, Mm -hmm. but is, is really figuring out um, how to just become more external when you are handling things in a way that, helps you in a way that is and I don't even want to say right or wrong just like it's productive or effective sure um so an example I like to use is um like if I'm driving in the car with my kids and somebody cuts me off and I yell and scream and swear what are my kids learning from that (laughs) you know
0: I'm sure you would never do that no no you've never done Uh -uh. that no (laughs) um
1: but if instead I do something like like, um, and I, I, if my mom hears this, sorry mom, but um, I I have, and she might not remember this. I have this really clear memory, and I use this myself as well, of um, being a kid and being in the car and and my mom driving and her being like in her cute little Minnesota accent, oh look. There's another potty driver. <laughs> and we'd be like, what? And she would say, oh, they're just driving terribly. They're cutting people off. They're going in and out. They must have to go potty really bad. A potty driver. And that was her way, I now think, of you know, reframing it and giving herself mm-hmm. a different way of, of processing that situation that allowed her to stay calm and gracious and mm-hmm. like not get into a crazy driving mode herself, right? Yeah. So um, so if I do that with my kids and I explain there are lots of different reasons why people drive silly like this, that's going to help them deal with it differently when they're in the similar kind of situation. Yeah. Or another example, if I'm in the parking lot and I'm running late and I need to like hurry up and get somewhere and my kid's in the car and somebody comes and takes the parking spot that I was about to go in, mm-hmm. I might say, oh man, look at that they took our parking spot oh we're running late this is so stressful and like genuinely just saying it out loud this is what i would say in my head anyway yeah and then i might be like okay i'm gonna take a breath because you know what there will be another parking spot oh look there's one right over there Mm. this is only gonna delay us by a minute at most yep this will be fine. It's not the end of the world. You know, we could probably use the extra steps anyway. It's nice outside. Okay. Let's just take that spot and move on our way. Yeah. And so I'm making it external so they can benefit from that. Um, and knowing that it, we don't have to be perfect, you totally.
0: know, well, and giving, it just sounds to me like giving kids kind of a, um, the the word is escaping me, but, but, but demonstrating to, to kids that, oh, mom, mom feels anger. Yeah. She feels frustrated. Yep. And so if I feel fr- frustrated, that's okay. Like I'm allowed to feel that. Yeah. And yet mom kind of gave me some tools of that's how she works through it. Yeah. Because it almost feels like not like it just, as I get older, I realize I think we're all so conditioned to only feel positive emotions. Like, like, and maybe that's just more kind of my conditioning not to project on everybody else. But I think, you know, as an adult, it's like, oh, I'm, I'm just supposed to be happy and positive all the time. But I, it's like, that's not the reality of being a human. I think right. one of the greatest gifts that we can give a child is that for them to witness sadness, yeah. or witness anger and know that like. And not have this like freak out mentality around it. Yeah. Of, oh, that's a bad thing. Ooh, we don't want to feel that. Because I I think that's the message that a lot of kids are getting.
1: Yeah. I think from all the different medias out there, you know, the ability to edit and and cut um, social media or what YouTube or whatever, the different avenues of influence for our kids and our own brains, they're seeing a lot of just a certain end of the spectrum of feelings. Yeah. And then I think there is a lot of that messaging, even I don't want to just blame media outside of right. that, that for whatever reason, our, um, our society and cultures here within the United States have yeah. kind of moved in that direction. But yeah, the, the full spectrum of those feelings is the spice of life, mm-hmm. as you and I have talked about lots before, too. The contrasts are really beautiful and important. And science would even tell us that our kids need to see us having some of those tougher emotions and benefit when they see us have those and come full circle. Mm. So a lot of people, for example, think they have to protect their kids from seeing them fight with their spouse. Mm. And so they'll kind of do all of that behind closed doors. And then all of a sudden things maybe reach a point where it's it's a turning Mm -hmm. point for the relationship and it completely takes those kids off guard. They have no idea or they get in their own relationships later and there's the full spectrum and variety of Mm the spice of life there. And their throne. You know, yeah. it's hard to find that relationship that has just that same limited yep. kind of perfect balance or whatever. But we know from, from the research, if the kids can see us have disagreements, get mad at each other, have an argument, step away, take our space, come back together, have a more reasonable discussion about it, whatever the, mm-hmm. I mean, there's so many hundreds of ways that you could navigate that as a couple. Mm-hmm. And come back around respectfully and see that actually that conflict built us a stronger relationship, brought us closer, got us a step forward on our relationship pathway. They see that, they witness that, they absorb that, they grow from that. If I'm sitting here crying because something awful has happened, it's an opportunity for my kid to know when he or she have those same tears that that's part of life. Yeah. Um, but if something horrible happened and they know that and I'm sitting there looking like I'm unfazed.
0: Yeah.
1: Ugh, you know, right. like I've just cheated them out of that as well as myself out of that opportunity to Totally. be what it needs to be.
0: I had a an experience recently where um my my grandpa passed away a few months ago mm-hmm. and um
1: I'm sorry about oh, thank that. Thank you. Thank you. Grandpa John.
0: Oh. Um he, but I have two little nephews and one of them is um, almost four.
1: Mm. And there was
0: that whole debate about, should we bring him to the funeral? Should we bring him to the visitation and all that? And mm-hmm. they, they eventually made the decision to bring him. Mm-hmm. Um, and he got to see people crying mm-hmm. and he actually handled it incredibly well. I was really kind of surprised with how well he handled it. Yeah. But I, I just think that was, I I feel like, Moments like that mm-hmm. I think, are such incredible teaching moments for kids that it's okay. To, it's a, like sadness is a thing. Yeah. <laughs> We're all going to feel it. Grief yep. is a thing. And um, I think it's a gift when we can find ways to teach kids at a young age that it's just part of the journey.
1: Yeah. You know? And the thing, the way kids and teenagers work too is, and not just with grief, but all of the different feels many times is there's like what they can learn and grow from in that moment, but far more of the learning and growth comes outside of that moment. The moment opens the doors and the windows Mm. for like unending opportunities down the road. So you'll often see them kind of process through that, through their play, through their conversations, through their, um, emotions, through their questions. And those are the opportunities then that we want to grab yeah. to just be present, let them lead the way. Their kids are remarkable at driving the bus. Yeah. Um, you know, we feel like we have to know what to say or what to do. And and this is true, especially if we know our kids are going through a really tough chapter with their mental health or whatever. Yeah. We don't have to necessarily know what to say or do. We don't have to have the solutions. If we can listen and tune in and be present a little bit, follow their lead, They'll they'll lead us where they need us to go. Yeah. And then it's about kind of allowing the space for the questions. And if we don't know, then we seek the right people to help us find yep. the answers and, yep. or the resources or whatever, kind of go from there.
0: So I know a lot of talk here, you know, kind of about just in general, helping our, our kids feel and you know, experience emotions, which I think applies for sure to everyone. I know there's also some parents who are listening to this, um, who have little ones who are are really, really struggling with their mental health, mm-hmm. living with more diagnosable mental health conditions and going to treatment centers and things like that. I know mm-hmm. that's a really, really real thing yeah. um, for a lot of parents. And and I know something that we kind of touched on is and we talked about before we recorded this, is is what that can bring up for a parent. Mm-hmm. When you see your child struggling so bad with with their mental health, mm-hmm. um, what do you generally see from from parents in that area?
1: Yeah, um, I see so much struggle with shame yeah. and guilt, and the woulda and the shoulda and the coulda and the regret and sort of. You know, there's lots of different phases of that. And for some people that comes much later. For others, it's mm-hmm. ever-present. Um, it's, it's really natural to have those feelings, those thoughts, those worries, those concerns. And I, I can tell you definitively, and almost you know, every other mental health professional would, would say the same thing, whatever it is that you're going through with your kid, diagnosable or not, it's not your fault. Mm. It's not their fault. It's not that simple. You know, Mm. there's a lot of factors, a lot of things at play, a lot of reasons. And, and even above that, I think some of our natural reactions to those situations are coming from that place of, are other people judging me? Are other people Mm. blaming me? Do other people think this is my fault? do i have to prove kind of my worthiness to be a parent or yeah. whatever and um and again it's just not that simple yeah um so you know we we take sometimes um we move into this reactive stance where we're trying to protect our kids or we're trying to fix it because mm-hmm. we feel that guilt or that shame or that regret and and yeah. You know, it's important to get our own support and help through that and to also just know yeah. that like this is not a fail. Yeah. This is just Yeah. One of many things that happen to be coming your way yeah. on this pathway and and at some point hopefully will create a foundation for you and your kid that yeah. down the road you'll look back on and be like, okay, yeah. it's been part of our journey.
0: Totally. And I I put out a a question on my social media platform asking for people to chime in with questions kind of around this topic of Mm -hmm. parents supporting their kids with their mental health. And um, one of the questions that came in from a mother was, um, what ways can I help when I see my child's anxiety starting to increase? So kind of in that moment when you start to notice that your child is starting to kind of escalate Mm -hmm. in that area. Um, Anything you would want to say to her?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think just recognizing, of course, that every situation is different yeah. and um, it's hard to really dial in without being, sure. you know, Knowing part of that person's story. life. That's yeah. So true. Yeah. yeah. But, um, you know, I guess one of the one of the luxuries, I don't know, that might not be the right word of parenthood is, you know, you know, your kids so well. hmm. And anxiety particularly um, often becomes a little bit predictable. Mm -hmm. Like once you start to know what it is you're seeing and you understand this is probably anxiety or whatnot, um, sometimes we can already like know ahead of time that this is likely going to be a situation that's going to create some anxiety for my yeah. kid. so I would say just even before you get to that I'm starting to see some of the signs there's a lot of wonderful things that um, can be helpful proactively as a parent of an anxious kid yeah. and just keeping in mind too that anxiety like anything else is a spectrum Totally. so I'm anxious you're anxious mm-hmm. everybody's anxious mm-hmm. thank goodness you yeah. know But like if I proactively know, I don't know, I want to pick an example. Um, Riding on the bus is going to be a meltdown for my kindergartner. Um, I might, you know, depending on the level of severity of that, sometimes it really does require some professional help. But but let's say it, it doesn't. I might practice ahead of time, make a game of it, use stuffed animals, mm. or talk about it with my kiddo to figure out which pieces are the most sort of scary pieces, and then do a role play or make yeah. a play about it. Or so use the times when we're calm and sort of not in that headspace activated of escalation. Space. Yeah, that activated space to um, to. Get some muscle memory going so that then when they move into the real situation, it becomes a little more natural to kick it into gear. Okay. Having some keywords to remind about that. Having a little special bracelet to wear or an object they can hold on to to help them mm. remember about the thing we practiced or whatever. Mm-hmm. So yeah. like proactive goes a long way. Yep. Um, but then there's the reactive. So if I know my kid and I'm looking at them and there's, they're starting to show some of those signs of they're getting anxious... First and foremost, what do we not want to do is like allow our own selves to click into that, you know, protective mode yeah. of like, okay, I need to get them out of this scary situation. Mm. Now, in some cases, that's, yeah. that is absolutely the best thing to do. Yep. Trust your gut. Yep. But... Um, In other cases, it is about catching it early and catching it often. So if you've practiced before breathing techniques or grounding techniques and you can look those things up, there's tons and tons of Mm -hmm. options for those kinds of things for all ages that you can kind of adapt. Um, And then you start to early notice some of those signs. That's a good time to pause and shift into my biggest recommendation. We instead Mm -hmm. of you. Mm -hmm. Um, So. I talk about this with families of like when, when one person in the family has an identified mental health issue or even an unidentified one, but you just know it's a challenge. Yep. Um, it's like the spotlight gets moved to them. And if that spotlight stays on that one person all the time, it's exhausting for everybody, but also does a disservice to everybody. Mm. Um, you know, it becomes like this person's thing yeah. instead of, Honestly, we all benefit from all the different types of interventions out there that we do for different types of mental health challenges Mm -hmm. aside from medication, which obviously we shouldn't share medication. Um, But um, breathing techniques, grounding techniques are a great example of that. If we've practiced beforehand, and I see it coming I might pause. Maybe I do choose to pull my kiddo aside out of a crowd or away from something that would be embarrassing. But then it's going to be a shift to like, you know, "Hey, let's let's mm-hmm. go over here for a second. I'm feeling a little bit nervous right now. Can you help me by help yeah. me breathe and slow down my mind a little bit? What should we do? Color breathing? What should we do?" Yeah. So that engages them in a different way. They're going to learn in a different way. Their brain's going to shift out of that like anxiety-producing space and kind of focus on the the thing that you're doing to calm down and i don't know it just helps take it down yeah. a different pathway
0: well i think too just anytime that you can for your child i mean this is coming from not a clinician perspective but like a as somebody who struggles with anxiety and ocd like if you can give your if, if your child is allowing you in on their anxiety mm-hmm. that's a huge win mm-hmm. at least in my perspective yeah like, Because that means they're not trying to maneuver that by themselves, right? Which is when anxiety gets really debilitating. Yeah. So I think like just it's like giving, allowing your kid the opportunity to to say, "I'm feeling anxious," Mm -hmm. and you being able to hold that. Yeah. Even if you can't change the anxiety for them, that's a huge win. Yeah. For that child.
1: And a response of if a kid says to you, "I'm feeling nervous," or "I'm feeling scared," or "I'm, I'm afraid," or "I'm feeling anxious," if they actually have that vocabulary. Um, rather than the adult fix of, oh, come on, it's okay. Or totally. what do you have to be afraid of? Come on, we do this every day. Yep. This is no big deal. And that's, again, that's natural. So I'm not trying to shame anybody for having that response. But but that cheats you and that kiddo out of a really important opportunity. Yes. So instead responding with, oh, I'm sorry, this is really hard. What can we do? Yeah, Or... I'm here. I'm here with you. And maybe it's not a what can we do, but rather we'll get through this together.
0: And just a validation, right? Mm-hmm. Like a valid, I talk about that yeah. all the time. It's just a, it's a validation of, Yeah. to like for me, what always is helpful, honestly, the be- be- best thing that somebody can say to me when I'm struggling is that sounds really hard. Yep. That's like most of the time, exactly what I need. Yeah. Because I think the diminishment that comes from a very well-intentioned place, I, and this isn't yeah. just parents, this is like, in general. Across the board. Yeah. Is people want to minimize or overly normalize sometimes. Like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, yeah, I feel that all the time, too. hmm And I think what that does is I understand that's trying to make that person feel better, but it, it's like it takes the power away from that person. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of... I'm kind of getting on my own soapbox now, but I, I think there's a lot of... Like, in my experience, what helps me maneuver anxiety and OCD on a daily basis is having it be something that... Almost that I'm up against. Mm-hmm. It's like this mm-hmm. is this thing that I maneuver every single day. Yep. And I want to be almost reminded of of how how much resilience that takes to maneuver that. Mm-hmm. Not uh oh that's not that hard. Right. It's like it sucks the power out of it for people.
1: Yes. Yes. And again, that's
0: just my that's what that's what's helpful for me. I don't know if that's helpful for everybody, but. It's one of the biggest things I tell parents when they ask this question, because I hear it asked a lot, is just validate it. Yeah. Just validate it for your child. Yeah. And and be there with them as they walk through it.
1: Yeah, because it honors the strength and courage it is taking them to move through that. Yeah. And for them to actually, as you pointed out, like say something about it really indicates strength. Resiliency I and know. courage. Yeah. I know. And, you know, you mentioned sort of like feeling like it's this external thing that you're in battle with. And, mm-hmm. and you feed off of when somebody validates you, that that strengthens you and empowers you to kind of stay in that battle. Yeah. And push through that idea of externalizing it is a really common tool that we use for anxiety, especially, but for a lot of mental health challenges is mm-hmm. helping kids know like this you are not it. you are not that anxiety. Nope. that anxiety is within and out of you like it's a thing nope. that you can gear up it's a part of you yeah against yep. Yep. Mm-hmm.
0: as we as we start to kind of wind down, one other question that I did want to bring up from um, Sam on social media who asked this, what should a parent do if their kid really needs help, but is refusing care Mm -hmm. or treatment?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's more common than people might realize. Um, You know, short answer to that. I mean, there's a lot of different ways we could go in talking about the layers within that. Um, The short answer is that, you know, any mental health professional who works with kids or teenagers on a regular basis, understands that the majority of those kids and teenagers are not coming of their own will. Yeah. Um, it's it's a big difference between those clients versus adults or young yes. adults who are choosing often, not always, you know, to seek the services. Um, there are a few kids or teenagers who will specifically ask and seek out help and we're seeing more of that yeah. now as the culture is starting to change and we're slowly kind of um, – you know, opening the acceptance um, yeah. and the the stigma is, is shifting, which is so lovely. Yeah. Um, and thank goodness for those parents and guardians who listen to their kids and find the help and kind of follow their lead in that way. And, and that's great. But for yeah. the many others who are resistant, sometimes it's about waiting until they're ready, um, because that's when the window of opportunity will be there. Yeah. And in the meantime, planting lots of seeds, um, kind of modeling the way getting your own help mm-hmm. uh, pointing out others who are getting help things like that mm-hmm. uh, maybe offering extra incentives or whatever um, and and in many other situations it's about just taking the first step and like just getting there if if you can um, get them to even just give it a try once or twice yeah. often um, most kids and teenagers will find that they're they're ready to kind of keep going at least a little bit if it's a good fit or if you know there's all kinds of variables that might yeah kind of lead the way but just acknowledging I just want to name that if that's happening for you again it's not your fault it's not their fault Mm. mental health can be absolutely debilitating yeah it's truly by nature it might mean it's physically very difficult for that kid of yours or teenager to like get out of bed and get Mm -hmm. to the appointment or whatnot. So you know, worst case, go yourself. Lean on that professional and they'll help guide you through kind of figuring out how to engage that kiddo.
0: And I just wanna Yeah, like send some love to all those parents out there that are listening. Um you know, again, as not a parent myself, I can't even imagine what that's like. Don't I don't pretend to know, but I think the fact that you're you're listening to this podcast here today says mm-hmm. a lot about the kind of parent that you are. Yeah, um, and I hope that there's some some nuggets in here that can can serve you moving forward as you um, you support your child. Anything
1: else that you want to add before we wrap up? Just um, just know that all of us in the field, as well as those of us parents Mm -hmm. Um, we see you you know we hear you when when you're bringing your kid in for help or you're struggling to get to that point Um, we see the courage we see the strength we see even when you don't we see the resilience we know the love is there and we know love comes in so many different flavors and that's okay you know like This is hard stuff. It's hard and sometimes it's gut-wrenching and painful and there is no one right pathway. But um, there's a lot of different sources of support out there that I hope you can find and lean in on and get what you need.
0: Well, thank you very much for for guiding us through this conversation. Um, And I look forward to chatting again soon.
1: Me too. Thank you.
0: Once again, uh, big, big thank you to Dr. Ristau for for having that conversation um, and joining me here on the podcast. Always um, such meaningful time spent when I when I get to sit down and and chat with her. So as always, my friends, I hope that um, there's something from this that serves you. Um, go ahead and take what serves you let that absorb and anything that doesn't just go ahead and and let that go. Um, go ahead and leave that right here. So be gentle with you, my friends. Um, I, I know life is, um, life is quite the journey, quite the journey. Um, it can be a really, really painful, confusing and overwhelming one at times. And so, um, whatever you're maneuvering out there, um, invite you to be gentle with yourself the best that you can one moment at a time. We journey forward and uh, I'll talk to you soon, my friends. Take care. Also, just a reminder that this podcast is not meant to replace work with a therapist. And so if you feel you need it, I encourage you to reach out to a trained mental health professional. All right, we'll talk soon.